Hello, hello, and welcome back to Two Spot Monkeys Live. This is episode 52, and it's been a minute. I'm Tom, joined, as always, by Jim. Jim, great to see you for those of us watching on YouTube. If you're not and you're just listening on our podcast feed, great to hear you when you say something. So how are you? I am good. I thought about introducing myself to you. It's been so long, but um, <laughs> it has. It's life, you know, life is just life. It is what it is, and... Um, I know we warned you that we would not have a show last week. This week, Friday didn't work, so now we're going to get it out here on, uh, hopefully, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. My intent is to get this out pretty much right after we put it in the can, so hopefully by Sunday evening, uh, for those of you that subscribe and it just downloads into your podcast app, it will be there for you to listen to that night or uh, Monday morning on your way to work or whatever you might do. So. And if you think of the week as a Sunday to Saturday thing, then you may get two episodes this week. Some people think of the week as Monday to Sunday, which is weird. Jim, what do you think of it? How do you, how do you, when you say this week, what is this week to you? It's a good question. I would say from a calendaring point, Sunday to Saturday, I would say though, from like my work life and my trivia life and things like that, uh, Monday to Saturday okay, or Monday to Sunday. Okay. Although that isn't true in trivia either, but nonetheless, um, I'm, I'm a Sunday I, to Monday. I'm a Sunday. Right? I'm a Sunday to Saturday guy all the time. I, I guess because I, I do feel like I'm wrapping up everything now this weekend to start tomorrow with things, but um, that's not always true in my life either. So I guess it fluctuates for me. Okay. But uh, now that now that we've explained our philosophy on how the calendar works, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get with Two Spot Monkeys Live. Uh, but sometimes we talk wrestling too. <laughs> And we have a lot to talk about today. We do. We have a lot to talk about. It's obviously been a little bit. So just kind of to give you the roadmap, uh, we're going to go over money in the bank and talk head-to-head, explain where we're at on our head-to-head uh, competition that Tom and I have. Uh, we're going to look back at the first week back with fans uh, for WWE. So the from the SmackDown prior to uh, money in the bank to last week's SmackDown. Uh, so whatever that was, the 23rd of July. Uh, we're not going to, at this point, look at the week that came after that because Tom is still playing catch-up after being on vacation because there's a lot of wrestling to watch. Um, Annette just said, two spot monkeys working on a Sunday, that's dedication. Even God rested on the seventh day. And that's true, Annette. Um, <laughs> yeah, working on a Sunday because Friday didn't work. So getting get a show in the can here for folks. Um, so we're going to talk, like I said, up through about the 23rd on WWE stuff, um, and then we will talk about uh, the release that happened yesterday as well. We'll catch up on some AEW, and then I've got a mini uh, conversation I'd like to, one-way conversation probably I'd like to have with Mattel at the end of this. But uh, Tom, let's jump into Money in the Bank. Let's talk head-to-head real quick and just kind of get that out of the way. Uh, do you have the results? I had them up, and now I close that. Yeah, I, I do. I do. So you went 5-1. and one. I went 4-2. and two. Uh, again, Edge, Edge for the second consecutive opportunity has taken my glory, uh, and, I, and, and I named it and I called it. I said it's deja vu, and deja vu struck twice. Uh, so that brings us overall to twelve and five apiece. So we're both twelve and five, and then our next go round will be a busy one because we'll be picking SummerSlam, which falls on a Saturday. I feel like that's the only time ever that SummerSlam has been held on a Saturday that I can recall. It was held on a Monday once, but yeah, I think it, it was, is the only Saturday. Right, yeah, yeah. I think back in the day, it used to be always on Monday, like which made me think the first as a couple, kid, I think. Yeah, I would have like it would have been right before I would have gone back to school as a youth, and I would have been like that would have been the worst thing ever. Like I wouldn't have been able to watch. 
I previously said, go to bed. You're not watching SummerSlam. Uh, and then we have TakeOver, uh, which will be on a Sunday, which hasn't been uncommon uh, in, in the last 18 months. But from the from the long view, it used to always be TakeOver, then the main WWE pay-per-view. Right. I, I do think it's the first time that TakeOver and the pay-per-view have happened on the same weekend, and TakeOver will follow the pay-per-view, the, the main roster pay-per-view. So uh, it won't, won't be a case of top this that TakeOver does. TakeOver will know what it has to do to top SummerSlam and... I got a sneaky hunch it's not going to be hard to beat, but we'll see. Uh, and, although something doesn't look like it's going to be bad, we'll we'll get into that. But well, yeah, and I, and I think that, you know, Money in the Bank is going to be a good. Um, it was a good measuring stick. It was. So, Tom, let's talk Money in the Bank. Um, we had a tag team title match uh, that kind of kicked it off in the pre-show. I'm just trying to get to my results here. I move things around too much. And uh, we have new tag team champions, the Usos, defeated Ray and Dominic. Uh, and next week, I'd like to have a conversation with you uh, once you're you're up to date. Um, I have not seen SmackDown from this week, but I've read the results. And uh, there's, there's a piece that is involved with some of the people in this match that makes me wonder what we're doing. Um, so put a pin in that and remember that I, I want to bring that up next week. Um, but here, I'll just run down the results real quick, and then maybe we can kind of talk about thoughts um, on the show. Does that sound good? Absolutely, yes. So then in the women's Money in the Bank, to start off the show, we had Nikki Ash, who you and I, we got to stop saying people aren't going to win this thing because then they win the Money in the Bank. Or maybe they need to start um, asking us to say that they have no chance to win this thing because Otis and Nikki Ash, or ASH, or however they're saying it, uh, they did it. Otis did it last year. Nikki did it this year. She wins Money in the Bank uh, over Alexa and Asuka, uh, Liv Morgan, Zelina Vega, Natalia and Tamina. Tom, you were just sure that Tamina was not going to, or somebody was going to get knocked out of that match, and nobody got knocked out of that match. It I got snookered. I got snookered. You got snookered. Um, and I think I even said on our last episode, like, I hope they don't just throw Tamina Snooker in there, and then they threw Tamina Snooker. That's almost a direct quote. You did say that. The uh, Raw Tag Team title match that I now feel like in three weeks we've seen seven times. AJ and almost uh, defeated the Viking Raiders uh, because WWE stands for World Rematch Entertainment. Uh, but this was the first time, so I guess I'm complaining about something that hasn't happened yet. But uh, the WWE title match, Bobby Lashley defeated Kofi Kingston in a shock to absolutely nobody. Uh, the Raw Women's title match, Charlotte Flair uh, defeated Rhea Ripley to win the title. Money in the Bank for the men, Big E won, won that, as you and I both predicted, uh, over Ricochet, John Morrison, Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, King Nakamura, and Seth Rollins. And then in the Universal title match, Roman Reigns defeats Edge. However, he gets an old friendly face that comes to see him at the end of the show. John Cena makes his return. I'm going to start there really quick, Tom. That pop for John Cena when his music hit, I got goosebumps. Like, yeah. and I'm not, you know, I can kind of take or leave Cena at this point, although he hasn't been around for a while. So it really has kind of freshened things up a little, which sounds amazingly weird to say with John Cena. Um, although I love the the kind of shots that he's taken. And I think the first one happened on the week that you have seen following Money in the Bank on SmackDown about, you know, if anybody knows about somebody who's overbooked and overpushed, it would be me. Um I love that little inside baseball shot for John Cena. I, what do you think about Cena's return? I think that's obviously the uh, story of that show. Yeah, that was um, amazing. Like that, I thought the show top to bottom 
I did not see the pre-show match uh, because I did not watch it live. Um, so when I did get on Peacock, I watched beginning to end from the main start time. Really solid show overall. Um, I'll probably talk some highlights here with you momentarily. But closing with the return of John Cena, I don't know. I don't – you know, we I, I was very vehement in our last conversation about the recycled guys because WWE has a problem where they don't – make new talents that, that, that you can't argue that it's it's the truth and uh, there's a long history of that john cena however is someone who i don't believe has ever overstayed his welcome or undervalued his undervalued is probably the wrong term wrong terminology he just doesn't he doesn't ever come across as stale to me now, granted, you know, if we were to go back to 2014, and I'm making that number, that data up off the top of my head, there's a chance he could have been very stale because it was he was part of the system. But he's been away for so long, and to come back, it feels like a match with Roman Reigns is an absolute, utter dream match, which we'll talk about the potential other title picture where that doesn't, in my opinion, seem like a dream match in anyone's mind other than Vince McMahon, obviously. Uh, yeah, but no, the pop, uh, I didn't watch Money in the Bank live. I, I watched it a week after the fact, but I did know all of the results. I watched as we were preparing to load up our vehicle to go camping for a week when I had a good internet signal on my phone, that clip of him coming, and like, I almost trembled with excitement. And I grabbed my son because my son has a couple of John Cena shirts and said, look who came back last night. I didn't know on the Sunday. I waited, did not know until Monday. Um, and he was like, holy cow, he couldn't believe it. Which, again, I imagine anyone in that audience uh, felt the same way. Yeah, it was uh, – I, I kind of had it – I mean, we talked about that we, we thought that was where they were going. So – the way that they kind of were stalling almost with Roman mugging to the crowd, I thought, yeah, maybe, maybe it's going to, you know, maybe something's going to happen here. And then the music hit and uh, yeah, that pop was wow. Um, and I have to say the, the early, those early shows, especially with fans, I mean, you could tell how much the crowd was into um, everything basically almost um, even the stuff that's a little bit head scratching. And, and I think in the week to come and, and the week that you haven't seen yet, you see some of the stuff that's not great booking is also getting treated now as a little bit not great booking. You know, fans aren't going to just accept the crap you give them. Um, and, I, and I think this is me editorializing, but hey, it's a podcast. That's what we do. I kind of think that's what Vince thinks is that, well, the first time into all these cities, they're just going to love whatever we do. Well, that worked the first couple of shows. But now everybody that you're seeing in the next few cities have seen those shows. So even though they haven't been to a live event, they're going to be excited for that. They're going to pop. They're going to do all this. Stupid booking is still going to be stupid booking. So um, I think they have to be really careful on that. Um, and, and I don't think they are being. Um, but highlights for me, um, you know, the first couple of matches were fine. I thought the women's ladder match was okay. It was sloppy. Um but it was okay. And I, I don't know. I've heard people who didn't like the finish. I kind of liked the finish. Like everybody else is just at the top of the ladder battling. And then Nikki was like, oh, I'm up here. I'll just grab this thing. Um, I, I don't know. It was different. So oh, did the finish resonate one way or the other for you, Tom? I'm kind of curious because I've seen that being panned pretty, pretty big. 
in, in a way, I feel like the finish makes Nikki Cross, Nikki A.S.H. goofy in a way, like that no one even gave her a shot and like she pulled one over on them. And if that's the story they were going to continue to tell, I'm fine with that. Clearly, it's a story that was told pretty quickly because we know what happened on Monday, which we'll talk about here sh soon as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it clearly was it was a bunch of competitors who didn't see her as being a legit, legitimate threat, and they got caught. And that's okay. Like, that's that's okay. But I also could say, well, gosh, does that not make her look weak or lame or soft or whatever word you want to use to describe in the eyes of fans? I, I didn't feel that way at the end, but I could understand that argument being made. And I, I think with Nikki, what they have to be careful of and I'm trying to be careful not to say anything, you know, the, uh, as far as what, what happens here in this past week that you, you're about to see. But uh, because of that booking, and I agree 100% with the way you, how you just phrased everything, I think they have to be careful to not make her look like a joke and look like she doesn't deserve to be champion. And when they have champions like that, traditionally, they've not done a good job of doing that. Well, they so make them look stupid. Well, and so let's jump into that real quick because you mentioned obviously she did cash in Monday. She did become champion. She did unseat Charlotte Flair. Did you watch that? Did you were able to were you able to watch Raw and see the end how that all played out? I didn't see it live, but I did see. Um, I've seen it on on YouTube, I think, or this week in WWE, okay. one of the two. So it was rushed. So it, 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 it they must have been running short on time, and I wasn't like watching. I was watching on a DVR, so like for me, the concept of the timing of the show wasn't. You know, I wasn't like going, oh, it's eleven. 04 p.m. Right? right but Rhea hits her finish on charlotte outside after nikki cross's music hit she was on her way to the ring so they were clearly trying to get everything in and then i don't know if you saw or made note of nikki's on the top rope and she's screaming at charlotte get up get up get up get up get up before she does the splash because i'm sure she knew if i don't get this in and we lose the feed my title change, this switch is not going to be on live TV. And again, WWE can always go and say, hey, we had to sh cut it short on USA, but check out our Twitter or check out Peacock, whatever it might have been. That, that's not a good look, right? But clearly the timing of the way things played out with that main event and then that cash-in, I don't think went as designed. Uh, no, I agree. And I, I was all good with it for the pop for, you know, I, Nikki deserves it. Look, Nikki is a hard worker uh, from everything you hear. If you listen to the, you know, the dirt sheets or whatever you want to say, she's well loved in, in the locker room. She's, she's very well respected. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with her being the champion. I think they actually can tell some stories um, with her superhero character um, doing that. I just don't trust them to do it. <laughs> um, I think that's my problem. And, and so We'll, we'll see as they move forward here. Um, I, I made a prediction at one point, um, and I, I won't uh, I won't go into that right now because I kind of would have to spoil things uh, to do that. But I made a basically I made a prediction she's going to be a very 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 short term champion. Um, I just don't want them to make her look stupid because you've just debuted this new character a month ago, maybe three weeks ago. I don't even know, like not long ago. You know, if you give her the title and make her look stupid or you give her the title and whatever, if you book her wrong, you can kill this character right away. 
Yeah. Um, and and so I almost would have rather had her. It, it, I, maybe it's also the fact that I feel like a superhero should have said, "Oh, I'm not going to cash in that way." Like, I'm I'm going to come at you face to face, and I'm going to challenge you next week on Raw or at SummerSlam or at Extreme Rules or wherever. Fill in pay per view here. Um, maybe it was a little bit of that too, but. Uh, well, Other so, th- well yeah. yeah, going back to Money in the Bank, Charlotte and Rhea, we were both, uh, and I'll say, I'll say me more so than you, but feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I wasn't feeling that match. Boy, did those ladies deliver. That's one of the better WWE matches of the year. Uh, they, they did awesome. I loved it. I did not have a problem with the way the title switched. Um, I liked how Charlotte came out on Monday and, and the promo she cut before she eventually had the rematch and then lost uh, so there's a story to continue to tell with those two i'm more invigorated by their issue even though we now have nikki cross kind of probably in the mix again i haven't seen raw from this past week yet so that would be the 26th of july so i'm eager to see how they continue it with that following raw uh but the raw after money in the bank um but specifically their match at money in the bank was was a high point for me absolutely and and the- from everything I did not see um, that raw after um, mainly because I just don't watch raw all that often anymore. Um, I read about it and then go back and, and see the clips of either what I want to see or what uh, blows my mind as being completely stupid. Um, yeah, but, we'll talk. Uh, there's a few things. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get. We'll get to those. We'll get to those. Yes. Um, but uh, uh, so I didn't see their rematch. But uh, <coughs> excuse me. Fully agreed. The Money in the Bank match was outstanding. Uh, outstanding work from Charlotte and Rhea. Um, looking at other matches, uh, you know, Lashley and Kingston, like I said, kind of what it was. It was fine. It worked. Um, I, I saw some some opinion about Lashley being incredibly dominant, and that they thought that was there was some opinion that that wasn't good for Kofi or that wasn't a good look. How? What do you think? Because I have an opinion. I'd love I'll share, but I want to know what you think. I think Kofi's Teflon, um, as far as that stuff goes. I. As, as long as Kofi Kingston stays in WWE, Kofi Kingston is where he's going to be. Kofi's never going – he had his run, which actually was far longer as WWE champion than I thought it would be. Um, so kudos to, to him and to WWE for letting him have that run. Um, I don't see Kofi Kingston ever winning the WWE or Universal title again. I wish I was wrong about that. I think Kofi's super talented, um, but I think they've pigeonholed him into what he is, and that's – you know, a, a tag team slash intercontinental U.S. guy who occasionally, if you need him for a world title shot, you know, can get one that he won't win. Um, I, I thought that, I, again, I, I was thinking that Big E would be cashing in on Bobby at SummerSlam. Obviously, we've seen that doesn't appear to be the, the path we're going. Um, maybe he cashes in on Bobby sometime down the road. I don't know. But I thought the story, like when I saw Bobby Lashley, Pretty well eat up Kofi Kingston, but, you know, I, I thought, okay, yeah, this makes sense. Big E's going to win that, and, and then he's going he's gonna to look for re- revenge against what Bobby Lashley has done to Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. I will say, I don't understand why I did that, then, if that's not the end game. Like, you had the story, you were telling the story really well, and then you just stopped telling the story, or you at least hit pause and gave us no even tease that, yeah, you're getting there, but for now you're going to do this thing at SummerSlam first 
you know, there hasn't been any sort of interaction to make me think that's still where they're going. Not that they can't change on a dime and do it at some point in the future too, but what was your uh, read on it? Yeah, so I, I'm a very big proponent, which maybe is a theme of things I've said on this podcast over our last, you know, year plus, that I'm a fan of dominant champions. Like if you're going to have a champion, he or she being dominant makes them more meaningful when they eventually lose. And I think that Lashley had kind of dipped a little bit after the McIntyre feud. So doing what he had done here and how he was so dominant with Kofi, which I agree with your statement that Kofi is Teflon. Kofi didn't lose anything by being dominated by Bobby Lashley. To me, Bobby Lashley made his stock rise, and that's what you should have. Now, again, I'm going to tell you right now, if if the match with the guy that comes back on came back on Monday and Lashley is going to be the case – We'll name it. It's Goldberg. Um, talk about your bathroom break for me. Like, and and I don't even I don't even know why. I don't. Like, I go back to to Rumble and McIntyre systematically dismantled Goldberg pretty much. I know Goldberg had a couple of spots, but that's the last time you see him. And then you bring him right back in, and he's challenging Lashley, saying he's next. Good grief! Not not my cup of tea at all, especially with. The guys that interacted with Lashley, or the guy that interacted with Lashley on Raw, before that. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I can't say a whole lot more to that. I agree with you one hundred percent. There's a Facebook meme. I was trying to find it here to throw it up on the screen real quick, but I'm not going to find it that fast. Uh, that I've seen that shows Goldberg. It's Goldberg's head on somebody stepping over like six steps to get further up on the staircase. And each step is labeled like win money in the bank, win a number one contenders match, win the Royal Rumble. And then it says get title shot. And he's just stepping right on get title shot. Um, and, and it makes a lot of sense because apparently all you have to do is come in and say you're next. And you That's... seemingly get the shot. They haven't officially announced the match yet, but. <clears throat> when we talk more about raw in a minute, we'll talk about the week back with fans. I'll tell you what I would have liked to have seen on raw instead of what we got. So I'll, so Teaser for there. My other just big thing I want to talk about with Money in the Bank was that men's Tom, just match. to go back real quick to Goldberg, yeah. just for one second. Yeah. Annette just posted a comment, so I wanted to make sure you got it. Uh, she did say, if Goldberg is in the match, it better be a quick bathroom break that you take. And I think that's right. Don't spend any time in there because you won't have a lot. You, I'm going to guess that this show will be on in the evening, uh, and I'm usually not an evening bathroom uh, <laughs> participant. Now that we have discussed yeah, Tom's yeah. calendaring as well on this show. I don't know why I had to justify that or, or quantify <laughs> that. But. She was just saying, hurry up. That's all. Just hurry yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do my business in the morning. <laughs> well, good Good to know. Uh, yeah. We're not called, we're, we're not called about money in the bank. deuce spot monkeys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the men's the men's match. Let's let's try to save this thing from drowning right now, real quick. The the men's match was was really fun. Lots of creative uh, spots. That Kevin Owens bump on the ladder looked ouch. Uh, I think he's okay. I um, he had the backstage thing with Corbin on the Friday that followed. Um, so maybe some time out of the ring for him is is you know, it, it just looked like they reacted quickly because it looked like. Even though I think it was pretty much on this high to mid back, you know, when your head is involved and that ladder splits like it did. Um, Ricochet, fantastic. John Morrison, again, I, it was kind of like, eh, he's just there. 
he was he actually did some crazy stuff that I never thought I'd see. Um, so Morrison's so good in the ring, and they put him like such an idiot. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. So really great, like that segment of time from Charlotte and Rhea to the end of the men's Money in the Bank match was the high point of that pay per view for me. And that's not to dismiss the other good things. I thought Roman and Edge was was fine, was good, very long. It's very long. I don't know that I need to see Edge in a match that goes over 22 to 25 minutes. But he's been in like four of them now. I, I don't know. Maybe there's something in this contract. He must be being paid by the minute or something because, goodness gracious. Well, and I, I like I the other the only thing I'll add to the uh, statement about the men's Money in the Bank match was I thought it was really cool how Big E hit the big ending on Seth off the ladders, and that's how he was able to win. Um, yeah. it, 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 it gives you something if they both remain on SmackDown where they might, their paths may intersect again. And you can go back to maybe that spot in the match as Seth having issue um, with, with Big E. So we'll see. Oh, absolutely. I, I, yeah. And I like that. It also meant that Big E earned it. Um, you know, he didn't, he didn't just get to climb the ladder because two guys got dumped off the other ladder that he was fighting with. He hit the big move that then let him climb up the ladder and get the. I loved, loved it, loved that part. Um, I'm excited to see Biggie as the Money in the Bank holder. Um, I'm excited to see when he cashes it in. I'm fine if he holds it for a while now, since apparently they're not going to do the SummerSlam thing. Um, I I think Biggie needs to win when he cashes in. Um, I, I think that when you put when you put Money in the Bank on somebody like John Cena when he did, or when you put Money in the Bank on Someone who's already made Seth Rollins, even Seth Rollins could have lost if he'd have won money in the bank and then cashes in, he could have lost that match. It wouldn't hurt Seth Rollins. Um, Biggie, his first really big shot. And I'd be fine again here too. If he announced it ahead of time, I think anytime a baby face does that, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Unless it's against a dastardly heel. I will say if he's going to cash in against Roman Reigns, he needs to announce it ahead of time because if they, if if he beats Roman by just, you know, hook or crook, basically, because somebody else laid Roman out, now he gets the pin, that's, no, no, no. Beating Roman should mean something now. Mm-hmm. And so make that loss mean something, have it be he challenges him at Survivor Series or or whatever, um, or WrestleMania for all I care. Make make that, that'd be interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Having onto it and say, you know what? I'm going to cash this in. I'm going to get my shot at the biggest stage of them all in Dallas, Texas, at WrestleMania, if if you're not going to get the Rock there, that could that could add some drama to the Royal Rumble winner, depending on how that all shakes out. So that's that's another fun wrinkle. Who who again, if they give it some thought and really invest creatively, could have some fun storyline twists and turns. You and I both are pretty adamant on. You saw me giggle when you said give the give it some thought, right? Yeah, well, I mean, I know we're asking a lot. I know the champions that are currently the two main men in this promotion, Roman Reigns and Bobby Lashley can, when they do lose the titles, that switch and that transition can be meaningful for the person who defeats them. Yes. I, I, I certainly hope that's what we get. I, I do too. And I don't know who those people are yet. Other than I think Big E will be one of them, which way I don't know. Um, and I just hope it's done well because I think 
Biggie as a champion, I mean, that's long overdue. Well, and, um, and that goes back to the statement that we were making that I made of they don't build stars. Here's your shot. Here's your absolute. It's on a silver platter. You can you can make stars. Now, granted, it, there's the the the, the follow up and the the whatever happens after the title win needs to have some substance too. Again, but case in but you also have to book them halfway decent going into the title shot, i.e., Goldberg not being booked. You know, have him kill somebody. Have him come back. I don't even care if it's Angel Garza or fill in 24 seven dork who runs around and chases the champion here, you know, like, sorry, I don't, that's rude of me to say that about other guys, the guys who are, they're working hard and they're working hard with the crap they're given. But, um, uh, yeah, I just, uh, I will say one, one thing that I found interesting, I've been listening to a lot of fightful, uh, wrestling podcasts lately. Sean Ross, Sean Ross Sapp does a really good job on him and among others that are on those shows. And he had an interview, and I haven't listened to the whole interview, but he's mentioned it on a few of the podcasts I've listened to, with Bobby Lashley uh, just shortly before Money in the Bank, I want to say. And he asked Bobby Lashley at SummerSlam if it's not Brock, because, of course, there were the rumors around Brock Lesnar coming back for that. He said, if it's not Brock, because that's the easy question, who who would you want to face at SummerSlam? And he named about half the roster, of course, because you know he's probably playing the political game a little bit. But the very first name that came out of his mouth was Damian Priest. I think that's interesting that your world champion in a non, not in character interview, the very first name that came out of his mouth, he said, Damian Priest would be pretty cool. Now they're not going to that. Obviously at SummerSlam, I think it's pretty obvious they're, they're going to Damian Priest and Sheamus probably. Um, and we'll talk about that maybe in a minute here, but I thought it was interesting. There, there's a, there's your champion who's looking at somebody who has obviously not been made yet on the main roster. I mean, he had a good start, then he was gone for a little while and now they're, they're kind of getting him going again. Even the wrestlers realize we need to put some new people in here. Um, I just thought it was interesting. That was the first name Bobby Lashley came up with. Um, he didn't He didn't say Goldberg, did he? No, he said Damian Priest. Uh, oh, Vince. Well, let's talk about Vince, Tom. Um, the first week back with fans for WWE actually started the two nights before uh, Money in the Bank. Uh, I shared this with Tom before we started recording. I think I shared it on on Facebook on a group we're in too. I absolutely loved Vince McMahon at the beginning of this show. And I know he annoys a lot of people and, and his booking annoys the snot out of me. But as a character and as the chairman of the board or whatever his role is, CEO, whatever he is, um, not CEO, I think that's still Linda. But um, anyways, whatever his title is, he's the owner. He's the big dog. He's the head honcho. It made sense for him to come out and welcome the crowd like he did um, at WrestleMania. And uh, But I love that it wasn't a speech. It wasn't a long thing. He walked out, soaked in the cheers for a minute, said, where the hell y'all been? And then walked back and then let the wrestling take over. I actually thought that was brilliant. You got Vince out there, which I think everybody wanted to see and was expecting to see. You didn't let him go on forever in a day. I thought the line was great. He bows and then he walks to the back and then they open with a white hot six man um, tag team match. And I thought that was smart too. don't come out of the gates. Your first match in front of fans, not counting WrestleMania in over a year with Otis and Montez Ford or something, which is a fine match, but you know, no, they came out Roman Reigns, the Usos edge and the Mysterios. Um, crazy, crazy. What do you think about their that that initial 
kind of oomph on the return. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I named, I was watching it live and they went right to a commercial, which I thought was not the wisest thing to do. Yeah, a little weird. Um, I mean, I know that they have to get their commercial time in. That's what's helping to pay the bills uh, and, and pay Fox, which pays them. <sighs> you got to time that a little bit better. You got to do something differently or like do some more like picture in picture type stuff. I don't know. When you start with that big of a match, when it's headlining the pay-per-view, which was two days later, which, you know, other than, if it wasn't going to be a Money in the Bank match, it was going to be the Universal title match, which it ended up being. You can't go to commercial that quickly. So the other thing about SmackDown that I thought was great, two things uh, that I'll just take away quickly. The return of Finn Balor, which was fantastic. We mentioned him on the last recording about kind of where has he been since, you know, he kind of closed the door in NXT without really saying he closed the door. And then that four-way, the four-way, was just a lot of fun. You know, the four men that were in the Money in the Bank match for the SmackDown side, that was a really, really fun way to close the show. It was. Yeah, I thought it was a good first uh, first live show for them. Um, certainly highlighted by the Finn Balor um, return and then the, the really good six-man to start and the really good four-way uh, to finish up the show. Uh, then we moved into the next week um, and Raw. Oh, Raw. Yeah, I, I I look at this and I go, why you've got guys that have been released and then you've got the Jackson Rikers of the world that are still on TV. I mean, bless Apparently. him for having a job and I'm not trying to demean the person or the talent because I'm sure well, I don't know. I don't I don't know anything, so I'm not gonna say I'm sure of anything. He's not my cup of tea at all. And and here's the thing, and and I, I'm completely um quoting Sean Ross Sapp from the Fightful uh, Network when I say this. So so this isn't my original thought, although I have the exact same thought. But since I did hear him say it, I want to I give credit to it. Uh, apparently, there are people within WWE, higher-ups, which you got to think means Vince, Bruce Prichard, somebody in those realms, who think he can be a big star. Jackson Riker can be kind of a Batista, I'm guessing. That's, that's me editorializing the Batista piece level kind of guy. And and Sapp's comment was, what in the last 10 years of this guy being on TV? This is Gunner from Impact and TNA. What he's been on TV for 10 years. What in 10 years? And even now, because okay, maybe somebody 10 years ago wasn't ready, but maybe now, you know, they've come along and they've really grown. What? Why? <laughs> no, stop it. And they had a strap match. Why do we now need a Symphony of Destruction match? And why do we need a throw mom off the train match, you know, whatever. I mean, it's... At least they're booking the violent matches in succession in the in the correct order. <laughs> sure. I, I, you know, there's a silver lining for a turd of a feud um, that I don't think anybody cares about. Oh, well, and, 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 and again, the 24-7 title is pretty much nowhere to be found, and then it shows back up the day after Although the night. I love the idea of Re Reggie, as he's now going by, um, and, and there's a, a post-Smackdown interview with him that, um, I'm spoiling a little bit, but there's a post-Smackdown interview from this week with him that um, shifts him a little bit. Um, but, uh, I, you know, his acrobatic abilities, because of his background in Cirque du Soleil and, and all of that, I think can make for... It could be something new with the 24-7 title. Um, you know, he, he can probably find really creative ways to avoid 
people that are chasing him or trying to catch him and win the title. So th- at least they're trying to do something new, but I agree. It, it was gone. I thought it was just going to be retired, to be honest. I, I thought it was gone. And, uh, and here it is now back and we have a new champion, Reginald or Reggie uh, is our new 24 seven champion. So uh, cue the championship celebration there. Uh, then okay, Seamus beat Humberto for the 473rd time. So whatever. Um, I don't know why we needed that again. Then we get to the two segments that I think you and I, I don't know if we want to talk about, but we have to talk about. Bobby Lashley has an open challenge for the WWE title. Cool. I'm always good with open challenges. I always think it's interesting to see who answers them. They usually get beat, but every once in a while you have somebody come out, but you're not going to beat Bobby Lashley um, right now. You're moving into SummerSlam. I kind of thought Goldberg was this. I thought this would be where Goldberg was, but it wasn't Goldberg that answered the challenge at this moment. It was somebody that you and I have been talking about for months. Where has he been? Keith Lee. Keith Lee is back on Raw, and he's challenging Bobby Lashley for the title. Tom, you had to be excited. Thrilled. Thrilled. And then. And then someone farted in church. And. And Tom, next week, we're going to have more of a conversation around this. I'll just say that. We're going to have more of a conversation around this. I, look, Keith Lee shouldn't come in and beat Bobby Lashley. I'm, I'm okay with that. Yep. But then don't book it. No, if he's coming, if he was slated to return on this night as he did, he, this was not the spot for him. So I'm going to armchair book now, which is getting into the next segment too. The person who should have answered this challenge should have been Jeff Hardy. And Jeff Hardy should have been the sacrificial lamb, much like Colby Kingston was the night previous. And then that would have made sense for Lashley to cut a promo after he decimates and slices Jeff Hardy in half with a spear and says, who's left for me? And that's when you have Goldberg come out. I don't like it still, but it makes a lot more sense in terms of the aura of the stars that Lashley has beaten. Keith Lee is someone whose stock is still yet to peak. You don't do this. Now, granted, again, you've heard me say it. A lot of listeners have heard me say it. They don't trust, they, the WWE, doesn't trust that. You're going to remember three weeks from now that Keith Lee came back and lost. Unfortunately, though, there are people who will. And people who care like you and me and know the value of what Keith Lee has been. And when they're saying that the guy hasn't been around since January, like Corey Graves said it like three or four different times. Oh, yeah. my word. Um, here, here's what I will just say, uh, because you have not seen Raw from this week yet. When you watch Raw from this week, message me. Okay. We'll just leave it at that. Message okay. me. Okay. Um, yeah, th- th- exactly. It, it's not that you shouldn't have brought Keith Lee back, but don't do it in this spot. Yeah. You you don't have to bring him back and beat beat him right away. You don't because frankly, it didn't do anything for Bobby Lashley, and I hate to say that. Keith Lee doesn't mean anything right now. He should, yeah. Yeah. but he doesn't mean anything. Jeff Hardy doesn't mean a whole lot, but at least he's got a little more name cachet. Um, it just it makes no sense, which delves us into the next match. Jeff Hardy has a little name cachet. So Jeff Hardy takes on your NXT champion, Karen Cross, who, by the way, you spent so much time building up his Raw debut that you threw up a quick little graphic uh, a match or two before that said Karen Cross debuts on Raw. Why wouldn't you do some vignettes? Well, so I'm, I'm going to par- pause there for a moment because, like, uh, I'm for, Jimmy Smith is the main announcer now on Raw. He's doing a really nice job. He, he's completely lapped Adnan Burke. So that was the right call uh, that they made. 
because um, we don't talk about the announcers that much. They went to a vignette or like a video package, and I thought that's all you were going to get. And then he comes out, and he, he he's in the ring next. And I'm thinking, okay, promo time, right? Give us a chance to like, again, they don't think you watch NXT and Raw, even though there's plenty of people who do. And, and I'll let you take it from there because I'm just disgusted with what happened. And yet NXT, to talk about them for a quick minute, has done such a nice job through the breakout tournament where they have stars who are coming in that you don't know about, who obviously one of them is going to be winning the match because you have both of them. They've kind of done the Ring of Honor thing with almost, not sit-down style interviews, but they're giving you a taste of who these guys are before they throw them into the match in the breakout tournament. Now, a couple of those guys have had just random show up wins, but they also haven't started to push them right away, and you haven't thought they were supposed to be pushed. And they also didn't happen to be the champion of your third brand. What? And and where's Scarlet? But apparently, I, there are rumblings out there that maybe what they're going to do is say Cross has lost his way, and then Scarlet comes back, and she's the one that, that brings it, which... But if she shows up when he's on NXT, then she clearly didn't lose his way. Or she's not allowed out of the state of Florida. I mean, come on. What? <laughs> there's a there's a travel ban on Scarlet right now. Um, I, it, and again, here's it, so then Jeff Hardy wins with his feet on the rope. So are we doing a heel turn now for Jeff Hardy? Like what? Unfortunately, um, and I shared this with you before we hit record. Uh, Jeff Hardy reportedly he has not said this officially. So um, I want to just say it's reported um, that he uh, did test positive for COVID nineteen. Apparently reportedly, allegedly, every word I can put in there that puts a caveat on that. Um, so we didn't get any follow-up on that the next week, and I did tell you that, um, which, which that's, look, that's not WWE's fault. I'm not going to hold them, you know, Hardy got sick. Hey, we're in a pandemic. It's going to happen. I get it. Jeff Hardy could have been the sacrificial lamb for Bobby Lashley. Jeff Hardy could have been the sacrificial lamb for Keith Lee. Jeff Hardy could have been the sacrificial lamb for Karrion Cross. If you're going to book the match, Jeff Hardy has won since January four singles matches on Raw before this one. Four. Let me just run down the uh, complete who's who of who Jeff Hardy has beaten this year on Raw. I know Jeff Hardy was a world champion. Blah, blah, blah. Our research team. I'm so glad to hear that. Our, our research team got this. Um, so since January 1, 2021, Jeff Hardy's four wins on Raw in singles matches. Um, he did have a tag match here and there, but singles matches. He on January 11th he defeated Elias. Means nothing. On January 18th, the next week by DQ, he defeated Jackson Riker. Okay, whoop de do. Then he doesn't win another singles match on Raw and loses a whole bunch to people like uh, Mustafa Ali, Jinder Mahal, The Miz, Drew, AJ. Then he finally wins two singles matches on June 7th and June 14th, both against Cedric Alexander, who they have absolutely made to mean nothing. Now, Cedric Alexander could be a whole other conversation around why I think they're totally missing the boat on Cedric Alexander. Um, you know, do I think Cedric Alexander is going to main event to WrestleMania? Probably not, but he doesn't have to be a job guy. Goodness gracious, he's way more talented than that. Um, so Jeff Hardy wins those four matches. Carrying Cross, how many singles matches has Carrying Cross lost, Tom? Before this one, I don't think he's lost. You'd be right. 
Okay. Yeah. I, I, again, I'm not part of the research team. Yeah, I, that's what I pay. That's what I pay them for. You, you'd be you'd be right. He he lost a dark. I mean, he lost some dark matches, but we don't count anything dark, yeah, right? Yeah. Yep. The only thing, the only loss on his record in the WWE world is the tag match that he and Finn Balor lost for the tag titles to Birch and Lorcan when he walked out on Balor. So. Is that a loss? Not really. That was story. That you know, that wasn't a match. Yeah, um, yeah a loss in my mind is like you either submit or you get pinned. Right. Yeah. He has not been pinned or submitted on TV for NX for NXT or WWE until this moment. And you beat him in, I think it was like a minute and a half. That's so. With his feet on the ropes, I get it. His feet were on the ropes. It wasn't like he got squashed. Just insanely stupid. But Bring cross that- and him kill someone. Precisely. Even with that justification that it took Jeff Hardy to cheat and get feet on the ropes, you don't do that to your NXT champion. I don't care if it was Karrion Cross or anyone else. I don't oh, care if Austin Theory's your NXT champion at this point, and you know Theory's obviously further down the pecking order than Cross is. Um, and it seems like it's this mentality that happens where you bring somebody up from NXT, or or you even bring them back after you let them go. Insert Zelina Vega here. Um, and you just start beating them to prove a point or to make sure their attitude is in the right place or um, just stupid, 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 stupid booking. That's, I don't know what else to say about it. No, you're right on the money there. And it's unfortunate. And I don't know what the mentality is. I don't know what the attitude about those in creative and WWE not understanding then that their fan base is probably very invested. Just like someone who follows the NFL, if you're if the Dallas Cowboys are your favorite team, you're most definitely following the Washington Football Club and Philadelphia and the Giants, but you're paying attention to everything else as well, especially probably because you're playing fantasy football. Even though this, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison, you have to think that wrestling fans, your fans of the of – because the, it's not wrestling, it's sports entertainment – that your fans are watching across all of your platforms. Don't you want that? Because if they do, they buy tickets. They buy merch. Why am I? Oh, I don't even need to go on that tangent. It's it's just so irritating. And it's why, and it's why I have not, other than action figures, spent a dollar on the WWE product for a long time. Right. I mean, NXT viewership ranges somewhere in the 500 to 800,000 range on average. And that's just for the USA viewing. You know, we don't obviously know the numbers of people who watch it on Peacock afterwards when it debuts the next day. Frankly, Raw is only averaging one and a half, a little bit more million. So at least a third of your Raw audience on average, are there some people who watch NXT and don't watch Raw? Yes, I'm one of them. Um, I'm also not a Nielsen house, so I'm not being counted. they're watching it. They're watching it. And and even if they don't, you had him walk out with an NXT title belt around his waist. They at least are aware that there is a brand called NXT. Even if they watch Raw and don't watch NXT, they're aware that's a thing. They use the NXT graphics. Right. That was the crazy part. Raw, yeah. The NXT champion, and then there's the little debuts on Raw. Um, I, anyways. Yeah. Well, so, and aside from those those misses... The energy with fans back, because that's really kind of the topic we wanted to lead around, but there's a lot of happening around that, was positive. It was, you know, the crowd before Money in the Bank, the crowd at Money in the Bank, the crowd here on Raw, and we'll talk now about SmackDown. 
it's different energy. It is awesome to have that energy back when you watch this and you tune in because it's not the Thunderdome. And again, it served its purpose. It was fine. Hopefully we never go back. Amen. Amen. SmackDown, uh, you know, SmackDown was a weird show then the next yes, uh, Friday because it was some from Cleveland and then two matches, Angelo Dawkins and Chad Gable, and then uh, the SmackDown women's title match between Bianca and Carmella because apparently Bianca beating her once cleanly wasn't enough, so we have to do a rematch because, again, we're the World Rematch Wrestling Entertainment Organization. Um, and she just beat her clean again, so okay. Um I don't know why we needed a rematch there. And again, I, I brought her name up before. Look, let me let me start before I go back to that name. I, I like Tony Storm a lot. Tony Storm is a super talented young lady. I'm thrilled that she's on the main roster. I hope she does really, really well. Why do you beat Zelina Vega for the fourth time or third time or whatever it is since she's come back? All she's done is lost. You brought her back. You put her straight into Money in the Bank. So you're like, oh, she's going to be a player. They're going to put her right. You know, she's going to she's going to have stuff to do. All she does is get beat. That's what she gets. She just gets beat. It's almost like they're punishing her for being Tommy Ann's wife. Uh, you know, I mean, it almost feels that way, doesn't it? And uh, I don't know how long she resigned for, but you have to wonder if there's buyer's remorse on this. Maybe there's not. Maybe she knew this was what was coming and maybe she's okay with it. Maybe there's a longer story of play. Ha ha. Yeah. Right. Um, but that uh, requires thought, you know, this. Right. prove me wrong. WWE. Prove me wrong. But Oh my goodness. I, again, happy that Tony storms there. Love that. She got Of course you got to put Tony storm over, but again, then you just don't book her against Zelina Vega. Um, yeah. I didn't watch this entire show because, again, in the effort to try to catch up, you know, I picked my spots. I watched about half this episode. The highlights that I was able to see were, of course, Finn Balor's in-ring main roster return and the match with Sami Zayn and then the Seth Rollins edge segment. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to it. Great. Kudos to you. You called it. You saw the direction they were going before I did. I think that's going to be a highlight match at SummerSlam. Can't wait. Um, anything else from, from SmackDown again? Did you, did you see any of this or did you just watch results? I, I watched the show. Uh, I didn't see it live cause I, I get SmackDown usually a day or two later, usually two days later on Hulu. Um, but I did watch it last weekend uh, on Sunday, I think. And, and it, it was fine. Um, the rolling loud thing. I don't know. It didn't do anything for me, but there again, the hip hop music festival is not, it, it's not an event for me. Um, well, it's what, not for me. So the question becomes what crossover are they trying to get with that? Right. And I guess may, maybe it's a bigger deal to a lot of other people that I don't know about. They had, I don't know, a hundred thousand people at that festival. So clearly there's a bunch of people that think it was something. Um, does it go anywhere? I, I don't think it does. I think it was just a, a thing to do that, to say they did it. Um, I did read this week though, uh, from that show, I thought it was odd. They had Biggie Nakamura and somebody else. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, kind of have a little pull apart with Dolph, Robert Roode, and Apollo Crews um, before they went to yeah. the Rolling Loud. And it was like, oh, I thought maybe that was going to end up being our main event. And then it never materialized in anything. What happened, th that happens actually, that match does happen this week. I'll just tell you that. But what happened was then uh, in Cleveland, that match happened while they were showing all of us on TV, the Rolling Loud stuff. So that they didn't have the Cleveland crowd just sitting there watching a screen for 
well, 30 could minutes. You, could you imagine? You, you you go to your first live live event in who knows how long, and you get two and matches on satellite. Circuit TV. satellite. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they were probably already a little, you know, salty. They didn't get Bianca Belair live, but uh, yeah. I, so I thought that was smart by WWE to put a put a a live match in the ring for Cleveland, um, and it made more sense then because I thought it was just odd how that. Like, it was the pull-apart. They were half in the ring, half not in the ring. You're like, oh, I've seen this 100 times. We're going to come back, and it's going to be a six-man tag happening. And then, nope, we just went straight to Rolling Loud. <laughs> so it was awkward in that way. But now, knowing what I know, I get why they did it. Um, I don't know. Maybe you could have just had the pull-apart happen, though, off-screen, too. Maybe you didn't need that on SmackDown to lead to the weirdness. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. SmackDown was fine. Um, so next week, though, we'll cover a... Uh, uh, a multitude of things, but we'll cover uh, this week that has just ended uh, WWE stuff along with hopefully the week that is to come before we record again. Yeah, uh, probably a lot more build to SummerSlam, I'd imagine. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think there's, and I think there's definitely some directions we can see that seem likely to be headed and it'd be interesting to see now tomorrow on raw uh, what, what happens there as well to continue the build that seems to be happening for certain things or, give us some ideas on some other things that don't seem to have any direction yet. Well, Tom, let's talk AEW. When we last talked um, on this podcast, you had seen Fighter Fest night one. I had not seen night one yet. Um, and now we're both, you are caught up on AEW, I assume, because I saw that you had updated scores. Um, so we're, we're both up to snuff on AEW. Um, let's see here. You have the uh, results ready or I do too, if you don't. Yeah, I I don't have night one. I have night two. Um, well, night one, I'll just say, because you kind of mentioned it was a really good show. I thought it was a very strong show. Um, you know, Ricky Starks beating Brian Cage. I, I think most of us saw that coming. Um, I liked it, though. It worked for me. Um, Guevara and Wheeler Yuta, I thought, had a really fun four- or five-minute sprint. Um, and, and the coffin match. I mean, what can you say? Darby Allen is just... He's insane. Um, was it? No, it was not that match. It was the next week. Um, yes, that I, I want to talk about something that happened during Darby's match. It was not the coffin match. Now that I'm thinking about that. Um, so Fighter Fest night two. Scrolling to it here. Uh, that's, that, that's the night that starts the labors of Jericho. MJF labors of Jericho. So that was. So let's talk one. about the labors just for a quick second. Yeah. So MJF has laid out that there are five labors. I've seen varying reports, and I'd have to go back and watch the promo again. Is is MJF the fifth labor, or does he have to get through five labors to get to MJF? As I understand it, he has to get through five. That's what I thought, too. Um, I have to be uh, – I, I figured the five labors were going to be Sean Spears, Wardlow, uh, Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood. And who am I forgetting? Well, MJF would be the fifth at that point. MJF then would be, because there are only five members, aren't there? Yeah. Um, I, I'm really glad that that, at least for now, doesn't seem the way, especially when he announced Spears was the first labor. I was like, this will be fine, but if he just has to go through every member of the the pinnacle to get to MJF, like, and maybe the fifth one would have been he had to take all four of them on, a four-on-one or something. Um, I was like, eh, this will be all right. Um and the, the first match was fine. You know, Spears could use a chair. Jericho couldn't. Um, Spears is the chairman of AEW. Okay, haha, we're taking doing the takeoff of LA Park um, or La Parca back in the WCW days. Um, but 
where it's gone since then, I'm sure. Like, I don't know if we want to talk about that right now or, or move yeah, into no, that. I think I think we can talk about uh and for the fallen. Um, yeah, no, because he beats Spears, uh, to get through the first labor, the first chapter, and then right out of the gate, you have the king of the death match, Nick Gage, which I don't think anyone saw that coming. Like, again. AEW is the destination for the holy crap moments, and I yep. want to use a different word. Uh, and they're and they're delivering beyond just that. It's not just like the shock and awe type stuff. <clears throat> they're telling me. stories with it too. They are, and they've been delivering in the ring with all of the other things that are happening too. Like, if you are a wrestling fan and you don't think AEW is like the destination for the United States right now. Which I know everyone has a different taste, so I, I don't want to be too like broad with that statement. I, I, I'd, I'd be interested in having that conversation with people. If, if you don't like AEW because you want Jonathan Gresham, you want pure Matt wrestling. AEW's got some of that too, so I, I think you know they, people focus a lot on the spots um, and and the craziness of some of the no DQ stuff and. And that, but man, there's some good wrestling that's happening on AEW too. Yes, there's some other stuff. I I think back to before AEW debuted on TV, I remember Kenny Omega saying that they wanted their TV show to be a variety show. And at first that scared me because I thought it was going to be a little more being the elite and, and skits and things like that. And well, they have backstage skits and they've certainly had some things that have, have swung and missed because any company will. And you and I have called them to task for some of those things as well. I agree. AEW is the show that I NXT I really really enjoy uh, as well right now, but AEW. When I get home from my trivia night on Wednesday night, I've, I've said that before that I have a weekly trivia night that I host on Wednesday nights. I want to turn AEW on right away. I often don't do that because um, my wife does not want to turn on AEW right away, um, and we haven't seen each other all day, so I don't you know just disappear downstairs. But uh, usually Thursday morning I get up, and as soon as she heads off to work, I'm watching as much as I can. Sometimes I can knock it all out before I get go to work, depending kind of on how the day's going, um, what my schedule is, and that sort of thing. But uh, it's the one I want to see. And, yeah, if you would have told me back when you and I talked last, Tom, hey, in a couple of weeks, Nick Gage is going to be on AEW in a no-rules match. I, I would have called 911 and sent them to Wyoming, Michigan for you. Um, or I think you're wherever you are around Grand Rapids. Um, I, I would have been worried for you, Tom, because I would have been sure that there was poisonous gas in your home or something. Because no way was Nick Gage going to be. They weren't going to put that on TNT. Oh, they did. Well, and how crazy because, you know, outside of the AEW realm, I'm pretty sure the weekend that followed his debut to announce that match, he had a big crazy match with Matt Cardona in Game Changer Wrestling, which is a whole different universe, but lots of crazy stuff happening there. Only for him to come back four days later and have a match with Jericho, which was insane. Like, so I'm I'm nervous for the rest of the labors. Um, Jericho really is going to have to be mindful, and he's relying on a lot of like gimmicks to get through this. And I'm and at his age, good, bad, or otherwise, he kind of has to. Unfortunately, he's not the Chris Jericho. Uh, that was arguably probably one of the best wrestlers, if not the best wrestler in the world at one point in his career. Uh, the, that, that, the, the tank is on a different level. It's, it's fueled by a different fuel now. That being said, you, 
when when the when the chapter the final chapter on his career is written and then the whole story is told, this guy deserves a world of credit because uh, he's doing stuff that he probably shouldn't be doing at all. That that a normal person probably shouldn't be doing. Period. Whether you're Chris Jericho or not, that was nuts last Wednesday with that match with Gage, uh, and. I think that it came out strong with the, the 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 chair gimmick or the chair rule in this one. The no rules here. Now this third one, he has to do a a, a move off the top rope to win. Yeah, little lame. Or before he can win. Okay, that's kind of goofy. I love the callback to way back in 2019 where Jericho drops Juventud Guerrero's name, and that's why MJF's pulling him out of the. I don't want to say out of the mothballs. That would be rude to Juventud. Um, he, he's been working in Mexico, but sure. So. Yeah, the bar is being set higher and higher week after week. So to your point, if it, if it just would have been pinnacle guys all the way through, I don't think it would have near the impact that it's having now. The other part of the coin, though, is when they, when Jericho gets through the fifth and he does get this match with MJF, they're going to do something real special. They, right. they, I don't know what's going to be in, in what's in the cards. They're going to have to do something pretty amazing. Well, and I, I do think the one the one critique I will give is that I think so far, these labors have not been ordered right. Um, Spears and Hooventude can go one or two. I can flip either one of those. To me, the chair is a little more devastating, so I probably would have had that too. But it would have been weird. If the only pinnacle guy they're going to use in these labors, and perhaps it is, is going to be Spears, it was probably best to get him out of the way first. Because it would be weird to go, Hooventude, Guerrera, and then go, now Sean Spears. Like That would have been lame. Yeah. So I, I can understand Spears going first. I would have had Hooventude too. Um, although we don't know what three or four and five are going to be yet. Um, Gage should be five. I really think Gage should have been five because that's like, like you just said, when you get to the end, like what is this last labor I have to get through? It's the last thing Jericho has to overcome. And oh my gosh, it's a death match with Nick Cage, Nick Gage, not, not Nick Cage. That would be a whole different thing. <laughs> Nick Gage. Um, and it's got me wondering what it, what is going to be four and five, and if they keep bringing these blasts from the past out. Like the first thing that I thought of was Lance Storm. Is that even something Lance Storm I, wants to consider? I have two names. Lance Storm is one. Paul White. Okay. Yeah. He's already in AEW. Jericho. I could see it. Yeah. I read nothing that says it. It's just when I was trying to think. But again, does Paul White? because he works for AEW have quite that whoa effect that Nick Gage or who to Guerrero or Lance storm would have. Um, I know storm and Jericho have said they want to work their last match against like their retirement and match against each other. Um, I obviously that's not happening just yet. I think the other problem, anytime you do this whole, you've got to get through these guys to get to me is nine times out of 10, although we're going to talk about something again in a minute here, um, nine times out of 10, you know, the guy's going to get through it. So Jericho's going to beat the five people, and then he's. So how do you get there? Is the interesting story. So far, they've been pretty good. I agree. The whole stipulation of you have to hit a move off the top rope. I mean, it, Jericho has flown before. I know he's a bigger guy than he used to be, and he doesn't do a lot of flying stuff now. But okay, so he has to hit like an elbow drop off the top or a splash. I mean, a drop kick. I mean, a drop kick. I mean, right? It's that's not out of the realm of. Oh gosh, Jericho can't do that. Now, if you told Paul White that he had to hit a move off the top, or you told, uh, trying to think of anybody in AEW, there's there really isn't anybody. Uh, 
Falaba from uh, Impact or AC Romero or, you know, some of those guys who are really, really heavy. Um, you've got to hit a move off the top rope. Oh, well, that's interesting. And you might kill Hooventude. Um, but yeah, but the stip is lame for this. Looking forward to the match, though. Yeah, for sure. Again, I'd, let's not get too judgy until we see it. I, but, it but again, as, as to your comment, the order has not seemed to follow suit. And then if, 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 if either of us have any inclination of it's Paul White or Lance Storm, and it may not be at all, how, they're going to have to be really creative to say how MJF convinced them or forced right. them into that spot against Jericho. Because, you know, neither of those two guys seem to trend heel. So I like that Nick Gage said, I don't like MJF, but I like money. Yeah. That, that, that worked for me. Yeah. The other big thing for me on it's a uh, flying Judas effect. There you go. Yeah. That'll work. Uh, the other big thing from Fighter Fest Night 2 was that Texas death match, which was kind of nuts. Again, two weekends in a row. This match here, the Texas death match, and then the no rules. Lots of blood and lots of, lots of gimmicks. Uh, but again, not. Not a bad way to get the belts off Moxley if that's what New Japan wanted, which is which it obviously is. So, right, and and I, I think it's going to get off Archer at some point too because Archer's not working for New Japan regularly, anyways. At this point, um, you know, travel's so dicey. I mean, it seemed like things are starting to open back up, but now the Delta variant, you hear all these things about you know being careful again and unvaccinated, vaccinated. We're not going to get into that stuff here. Um, I have a sneaky hunch. I won't be shocked if, um, well, let's just talk about the other surprise that happened um, on Fight for the Fallen was we had a video promo uh, from a guy that, I don't know, if you would have told me we were going to see him even in promo fashion on AEW, we're not going to see him at this point wrestle on AEW. He's going to work the, the New Japan Resurgence um, USA pay-per-view here in a in this month, I believe. This month or in September? It's this month, I think. Um Hiroshi Tanahashi appears on AEW TV and challenges the winner um, of the Lance Archer Hikaleo, however you say his name, match that happened at Fight for the Fallen. Uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Tanahashi wins the U.S. title there so they can bring it back. But maybe they just want to keep it in the United States, too. Maybe they don't want it over in Japan. And I don't know. But then my thought would have been, why why have an NJPW strong openweight title? Anyways, um, we'll see what they do with it. But... Yeah, they, they need to get the belt off of Moxley. Uh, speaking of belts for a minute, let me go back to Gage for one second. I thought it was brilliant for Game Changer Wrestling. Um, I believe Brett Lauderdale is their promoter. I think that's the right name. I thought it was brilliant for them to get the belt off of Gage and happen to all work out timing-wise. I'm sure that wasn't necessarily uh, all timed out. But when, when it fell the way it did, get the belt off him the weekend before he goes, and he's going to lose to Jericho. You know that when you book him. But... You got the belt off him, so now it's not Jericho beat your champion. Jericho beat Nick Gage. Nick Gage is fine in Game Changer Wrestling, and even if he would have been the champion, that would have been fine too. Gage is, is Teflon in that organization. Um, he's Stone Cold Steve Austin in that place. Um, but you got the belt off him, so now he didn't beat your champ. doesn't hurt your belt at all. You're, you've got a hot angle going on with Cardona, which kudos to him. I'm not the biggest Matt Cardona fan in the world. Uh, by any means, but kudos to him for reinventing himself and declaring Zack Ryder is dead and that this is a new person. Um, let's see where he goes with it. You know, from here, I'm guessing Gage at some point wins the belt back from him, but um, 
I just thought that was an interesting thing that Game Changer did, whether fully intentional or not, to get the belt off of Gage, let him go on national TV and lose, and now they can go back to whatever booking they're doing. Because I don't think Nick Gage is sticking around AEW for long. No, the money's the money in Game Changer is still wanting the belt back from Cardona, whenever, however that happens. Um, the other thing that I really wanted to talk about at Fight for the Fallen is the main event, or not, not the main event, but the 10-man tag where Kenny Omega pinned Hangman Page. Uh, I I had seen a, uh, something that didn't spoil it, but that said, you know, hey, is are you know are they cooling on Page? Like, does it hurt him? I didn't know how the match played out. I watched it. It was a great match. You know, the Elite is incredibly over the top, um, and it was on full display here. Thoughts on him eating the pinfall? I, I mean, he he looked he survived a lot before he finally succumbed in the end. Does that change the way you perceive him as a title contender? Here, here's here's my thing. They booked themselves into a corner one way or another. And they didn't have to. But I'm it, it worries me. Because I think one of two things is at play here. Either you're going to come up with some other way now that he beats Kenny or he beats somebody and he gets his title shot back. In which case, then, what was the point of the stipulation that he wouldn't get a title shot? Like... I know you can always go back on stipulations, but I kind of hate when they do them really quick like that. Like, you know, I I have to give Cody Rhodes credit. Cody Rhodes lost that match. That means he can never challenge for the world title. And we've never seen him in any situation where he's tried to win back that opportunity. Maybe that will happen at some point down the road, but at least it didn't happen. At least there will have been years between that happening if it ever does happen. Um, Obviously, if Paige is going to get the shot at all out, they've got a month to go here to get him back into that spot. So you're going to have to do it pretty quick. That concerns me. The flip side of that also concerns me in that there are, there are reports that Adam Page is no longer the challenger for All Out. Now, I don't know how much of that is reporting with good sources or how much of that is reporting based off the fact that he lost this match and some people just go, well, now he's out. Okay. Um, Page has been the guy they've been trying to build since day one, literally. The... Uh, press conference where they announced AEW. They have been building to Adam Page. They've been telling a good to great story, I would say, over the last couple of months with Adam Page and Kenny Omega. You have a lot of history with Kenny Omega and Adam Page, so you can tell all sorts of good story there. If they sideline him for one of the rumored signings, perhaps, if they sideline him for, I don't know, Christian Cage, um, I, I don't know who else you'd put in that spot. I think you kill his momentum. I don't think it means as much then if even if Page wins it at full gear or he wins it at wherever now next year, the money with Page for me has been in the chase. I think Page, and I've said this in some places, I don't remember if I've said it here. I think Page is kind of like Homicide was in Ring of Honor. The money in Homicide's title chase when he finally beat Brian Danielson was the chase. It was the story to get Homicide there. And then Homicide lost it two months later, a month later, something like that. And and that was okay. I don't think it hurt Homicide to lose the belt that quick because the money wasn't in Homicide as champion. I'm not sure the money in AEW is on page as champion having a long run. Eventually, I think he'll get a good good run, I think. Um, but I think the money is in the chase. So if you have Page beat Omega, let's say, at All Out, and then you want to flip the title to one of the rumored, and I know you and I have talked about there's one rumored person that you've kind of deciphered 
Um, there's another rumor out there that you haven't seen reported, and I haven't told you who it is, so I'm trying to be nice uh, and not not spoil that for you. Although it's not spoiled because nothing has been announced. They're all rumors, uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, all rumor. Um, but well, let's just name the one that you you obviously picked up on with Darby Allen's comment. CM Punk. It sure seems like August 20th, the first dance, Rampage. You're in the United Center. They've sold over 10,000 tickets to a Rampage. One-hour show, Tom. It's a one-hour show. They sold 10,000 tickets. Now, they're probably going to tape the the 27th, I would assume, um, that night as well. And they'll tape some dark and elevation stuff that nobody will give a rip about. Um, But it sure seems like CM Punk is coming back that night. Now, I don't know if on August 20th, you're going to pivot that quickly to go to your main event of All Out to be CM Punk and Kenny Omega. I don't think you need to. I think you could build that for a while and sell another arena out because you've already sold All Out out. So it's not like you needed to move tickets. Like we talked about with Money in the Bank, maybe they did the Edge Roman thing to move tickets. You don't need to do that for All Out. That's sold out. Save that match. Sell a bunch of tickets later for it. Put it in a bigger arena. Um I, I think they've proven they can do that. Uh, you think well, you couldn't sell the United Center out if you came back to the United Center with that match? You would. Well, Absolutely. It's very, it's very unique. So a couple comments. It's very unique to run Chicago on the 20th to come back two weeks, roughly two weeks later, three weeks later, Labor Day weekend. Um, so, so that, again, that fuels the speculation of a pretty incredible debut, perhaps, of CM Punk. To your other comment, if if the money is in the chase for Hangman Page, AEW clearly is trying to stretch that out. Maybe, we we don't know. We don't know. And and I agree with you. I think I think he makes sense as the contender, and as the challenger at All Out. And maybe that's why we saw what happened on Dynamite last Wednesday at Fight for the Fallen. So we'll see. Annette says that Meltzer says he, and I assume he being CM Punk, um, isn't even going to appear at All Out. So we'll take that. I Melter's Melter goes either way for me because um, because Melter has a, the famous plans change um, when he's wrong. So I, I can take or leave Dave Melter sometimes, but um, and and he could be right. Um, and he's he's certainly tied in with AEW. Let's not uh, fool ourselves to think that Dave isn't tied in with them. Yeah. Anything else from AEW from the last two weeks that sticks out for you? Um. Oh, actually, I. I she just commented and said, no, Paige. Um, Melter is saying that Adam Page is not even going to appear at All Out. If that's the case, holy crap, they're stupid. Well, then um, this is the pivot. That, that, that's, why we do, that's why we saw the pivot. Right. And and so. I, I think it's a mistake to pivot away from Page for the title match, and it would be really a big mistake to not have him on the card even. Um, although He's, maybe it's the Daniel Bryan thing, you know, from a couple of years ago with the Royal Rumble, where you get him out of the Rumble real quick so that nobody thinks he's going to win it. Um, or you don't even put him in the Rumble. Um, they did that a couple of years, too. Um, so maybe that's it. They don't want to put him out there because they're afraid the fans will turn on the fact that he's not the one getting the shot. I don't know. It'll be interesting. We'll see where it goes. Uh, AEW's got a lot lot to talk about. Um, so we'll we'll keep talking about them in the uh, weeks to come. Uh, quick get well soon to Cash Wheeler. Uh, ripped his arm open, uh, coming down off the top rope um, in a freak thing. It looks like he got pinched between the, the ring post and the turnbuckle hook um really bad so um don't know if he's going to miss a lot of time or you know it was a cut um but i don't know if it hit an artery or what Um, they were obviously pretty concerned pretty quick so 
hope he's okay because I like FTR a lot. So well, and that match between those two teams was just an appetizer of what we can't wait for more. I mean, at least that's how Absolutely. I felt. And 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 the right team went and, over to keep. Yeah, that and, it, and it clearly ended. They clearly rushed the ending there when when Wheeler got hurt. Um, I I can't believe that a brainbuster by Harwood was supposed to be the finish, um, but I think it was. We need to go home right now because we need to get him out of here. Um, so, Hey, that happens, but Oh yeah. Give me more, give me more FTR and Santana and Ortiz. Absolutely. Uh, well, let's last topic that we're, we're going to spend time on. I don't know that we'll spend a ton of time on it, but, uh, yesterday the news came out. WB has released the fiend Bray Wyatt. Um, apparently from what I've now read, it was deemed to him as budget cuts. It is not a case that Bray asked for his release. Like we've seen some others do. Um, in fact, there were creative plans starting to be put in place for him to return in August. Um, don't know what those were. Haven't heard a thing about them. Don't know if we ever will. <laughs> Vince made a comment on a, on a conference call this week that he doesn't see AEW as, as competition anywhere near WCW. And, you know, who knows, maybe they'll hand him a couple of more pieces. And then they turn around and they release Bray Wyatt. Um, there's been a lot of conversation I don't want to delve into uh, too far there's been a lot of conversation around Bray Wyatt and mental health kinds of things. Um, I've read a few things that obviously he took the the death of Brody Lee very hard at la- the end of last year, um, which would make sense. I, you know, it's been widely reported that that those men were all good friends outside of that, be developed friendships as well outside of the ring. Um, so I hope that Bray's okay in that way. That's the most important thing. No matter if he ever wants to work in wrestling again, that's the most important thing. Um, there has been, uh, Annette had pointed out on our, our friends group that we're a part of, um, that there has been a picture of Bray Wyatt that circulated of him looking rather fit, um, and in good shape lately, which would certainly make sense if he was planning on coming back in August. Uh, but look at the timing of the 90 day release here, Tom, they released him yesterday, which puts his 90 days one week before AEW's full gear. I don't think WWE pays attention to that stuff. I'm going to be really honest Clearly with you. And that, and, and that goes back to Vince's comment. If he doesn't see him as competition, shame on him because they clearly are, and they're putting a product out that's lapping you. Now, granted, I wanted—I don't want to dog on WWE 100%. Like they are—they're doing really good, and and the return to fans and the return to live events with fans has injected some life back into the product that wasn't there heavily during the Thunderdome era. So that's not a—that's but but there's clearly it's—we're talking about, and this is not the right example, but we're talking about NFL. And CFL, right? Canadian Football League has its spot, but it's not the NFL. AEW and WWE are going to continue if they if the paths remain the same, and who knows with what how the world is going to continue to unfold. You know, it's and again, I know WWE's a juggernaut; they're they're not going anywhere anytime soon. But if they're if the rumors out there by all these cuts that were happening over the last six months were to eventually sell. You know, the, the the McMahons, specifically Vince, may be a master manipulator because in the end, if he gets ten billion dollars, and I'm making that number up because I have no idea the valuation, right. to sell the WWE to someone else, and he walks out, you know, with his generational wealth forever and a day, does he even care if AEW is a threat or not? Yeah, and I, and I think they creatively they they need to look at it and consider them a threat. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's not- obviously. Go ahead. I'm sorry. They're not going to beat overall viewers for Raw like this year, probably. But um, again, I don't mean to sound like a fightful shill, but um, they've been talking a lot on there lately that they think it's very possible by the end of this year 
that the highest rated dynamite quarter some week may very well beat the lowest rated raw quarter. That would be a thing. That would be something um, because your highest rated now, now again, not apples to apples, obviously, but still no quarter of AEW should beat any quarter of WWE, but they're getting close. Like, like they're, they're sneaking in there. Advertisers are going to look at that. The people who write checks are going to look at that stuff. So, yeah. And again, so we got Which a little bit off. AEW because we think that's how they're making a lot of their money. There's some rights fees probably too. WWE has got their rights fees. Like they're paid for 10 years or five years or whatever it is. Um, but rights fees are going to be up again in five years or whatever it is. And if AEW keeps growing over the next four or five years, whew, that could be interesting. Yeah. That could be so, interesting. We've we've pivoted off of Bray, Bray Wyatt, which is yeah. it's a pretty big release. I mean, but but it all ties back into you know you don't you don't you don't or you shouldn't cut a talent like this. At the same time, I can see the business side of it. I for I don't know what they were, he was making. I don't know what they were paying him. In terms of the usage, and this is like probably outside of after the Wyatt family ended until now. I don't know that they were getting the return on investment that he might have been worth. And again, I don't know any of the nuts and the bolts of it all, but he clearly was, and we talked about it here before, kind of that undertaker type character as the fiend. Well, and again, never say never. He could come back in three months. He could come back in six months and he may. Um, but for now, this is a really um, odd chapter to kind of end his first kind of WWE career run with this. Well, and from all accounts, especially since the Fiend character came out, he was apparently was selling a ton of merch, especially when they were featuring him. Um, I mean, I can say I, I bought the Funko Pop. I bought the Ultimate Edition. Um, I was really looking forward to. It was announced at, at San Diego Comic-Con. Now I wonder if it's going to happen. Um, depends on how quick they can get it out. Usually they only have those 90 days. Um, they were going to do the burnt fiend um, as an action figure, which I just, it was a short lived thing, but I think it was kind of cool. So I was definitely going to be looking to buy that in the elite collection. Uh, I don't know that that's going to be able to happen because depending on where that is in its production, we only saw a grayed out sculpt, which tells me it went too far yet. Uh, they're probably not going to be able to get it out in the next 90 days. And I think that's the window they have when somebody's released to get figures out, which is why you still see Chelsea green figures came out. Braun Strowman figures have still come out here in the last month. Um, folks like that. So um, from a merch side, wow. Um, and not a lot of those parts can be used for anything else. You know, not a lot of, I suppose you could put somebody else under the mask as a fiend. That'd be really, uh, that'd be, that'd be Razor Ramon and Diesel-esque, wouldn't it? Yeah, fake Diesel, fake fiend. Fake yeah. fiend. Um, well, really quick. Uh, yeah, I, I, to go back to Bray for one second, Bray seems to be a very creative mind. I think it would be very interesting to see what he can do in a place, maybe like AEW, uh, where those creativity, you know, like like Tommy Ann Malachi Black has said, you know, he has the ability to have major input in his creativity. What would it look like for Wyndham Rotunda um, or whatever he calls himself? Because um, obviously he won't be able to use the Bray Wyatt or the Fiend or, or a lot of those images, um, let me in, those kinds of things. Um, what does it look like for him? unhandcuffed. I think it'd be interesting to see. Yeah, without a doubt. So stay tuned for the next three months. Um, coincidentally, talking about those 90-day things, Buddy Murphy's expires the end of August. Can't wait. 
I would love to see him as a surprise guy at all out in a, in the battle Royal or ladder match or whatever thing they do with a surprise guy, because that's what they do. Uh, the only problem is I think you're going to have people thinking it's someone bigger than Buddy Murphy. So they might crap all over Buddy, Buddy Murphy, but small rant to end the day. Mattel Creations, we talked about on the last show, uh, put out a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive Sergeant Slaughter Elite Ultimate Edition figure. It had really cool LJN-style packaging, a box, cool accessories, all this stuff. It's 35 bucks, which is a little more than a normal Ultimate, 5 bucks more. Um, but I was all over going to order that. It went on sale at 11 o'clock on a Thursday morning, my time. And uh, by 11.04, it was sold out. Now, unfortunately, I forgot to get online. So that's on me that I didn't get online. However, when I later found out that literally people had it in their carts and it was gone in four minutes, you got to do better, Mattel. Uh, they've they've come out and said they're looking into whether they're going to release anymore. They don't. It doesn't sound like they are. But they have come out and said they did not anticipate. G.I. Joe figures have also had a huge uh, resurgence in the last couple of years. There's been new lines. Um, the new Snake Eyes movie was just out, got panned, I think, pretty bad. But um, they didn't grasp how many G.I. Joe collectors would also want to buy this for their G.I. Joe collection, and it it threw them. I understand that on one level, but jeez. Um, you know, I wanted to give you my money, and I can't. And now if I want it, I got to go to the secondary market where the thing's like 100 bucks, and I, I don't want it that much. I just don't. I, I wanted it but I don't want it that much. Um, there are not a lot of figures that I can think about that I would spend $100 on one figure. Um, maybe like a Ricky Steamboat LJN mint on card, uh, but that would be a lot more than $100. So if I could find that for $100, I would spend $100 on that, no problem. But um, uh, I was just really disappointed. I was super excited for it. The, the San Diego Comic-Con exclusives they've had the last couple of years, Mr. T and, and Macho Man, uh, have at least gone a couple of hours, I think, or at least an hour or two, and then have also popped up a couple of times more. Um, so there were options, but uh, it doesn't look like we can get my Sergeant Slaughter, and I'm a little little salty about that, Tom. And that's a good segue to close us out because we did a year ago talk about all of the fun uh, releases and the new images. Uh, we have a lot of content to cover still in the weeks to come. August appears to be really busy. Hopefully we can spend some time talking about, you know, a handful of the new images for the upcoming kind of calendar year of releases because there's a lot of fun stuff out there. Yeah, there, there were definitely, uh, I, I, you know, they're doing a Dominic Mysterio from 2005, Tom, as a kid. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's awesome. I mean, really, I, kudos to Mattel. I wouldn't have ever seen that coming. But uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about those because there are a lot of cool things coming. Uh, Annette says, great show, gentlemen. Have a blessed week. You as well, Annette. And uh, that's a great segue to say to the rest of you as well, have a blessed week. Uh, stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, let's get out of this thing, guys. Um, just leave it at that as far as that stuff goes. Uh, our hope is to be back with another episode. I think on Friday is our current hope. Um, we'll look at how the week goes for us both in our lives and, and hopefully be able to knock that out on Friday um, and catch Tom up a little bit more on uh, the happenings in wrestling. And uh, we'll talk with you then. Tom, it's been great as always, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Take care.